Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church podcast. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and Roger is out today, so I am filling in. I hope you're having a great day, uh, a great fall morning as well, or evening, whenever it is that you're listening to this. Uh, we are in a series, or finishing up our series, called Homecoming, and this particular message is about coming home to family. And uh, I talk about a lot of different things regarding family, but then also we have a special guest, our pastoral intern, Dawn Ginger, comes on and shares a little bit of her testimony, her story, as it relates to her own family and how she had to relearn um, the joy and the goodness of family with the family of God, with the community of faith. And so I hope this, um, this message and her story resonates well with you. Um, but then also, uh, we make an invitation to have you become a partner. So if you have been with us for a while and you like what um, our church is doing, you want to be on board with it, you want to partner with us, I want to encourage you uh, to go to our website, lifecanton.org. And uh, right there on that homepage, you scroll down and you're going to see a button for partnership. I encourage you to click on that button and learn a little bit more about the information regarding partnership. And we'd love to have you join our family in a more intentional way. If you decide not to, that's entirely okay. We still consider you family and, uh, and we're grateful for you as well. Uh, lastly, if you would like to give to what uh, God is doing in and through us, I encourage you to go to lifecanton.org give. And uh, we appreciate your generosity uh, to help us with our vision to reclaim our identity in Jesus and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. You can have a seat. Welcome to Life Canton. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited that you're here with us. Normally, we do a little bit more music on the front end, but today's looking a little bit different. There's a reason for that. That'll make sense a little bit later on. I also want to let you know that there's going to be a prayer line over here for the Michigan State fans a little bit later on. Um, I, I don't care. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not from here, so... Y'all just battle it out with each other, do what you need to do. But just, you know, be kind to each other, all right? That's my one request. Um, I'm glad to be here with you as we celebrate our homecoming. And uh, we, we just sang about it, but also we've been in a series called Homecoming. And, uh, and all of it is going to lead to a conversation around partnership, which if you're newer here, that, that might be a new term to you as well. That's going to make more sense later on as well, toward the end of our time. But... Um, We've been talking about homecoming as it relates primarily to school and to colleges and those kinds of experiences. One of the ways that we haven't talked about homecoming yet is just our actual home, our, our physical home, where we live, where we grew up. And the contents of those homes is our family, the people that we were with, or maybe we grew up by ourselves or whatever that looked like. We had some kind of a family that we grew up with, for better or for worse, right? Like everybody had some kind of experience. And so today is going to be all about family. As we talk about coming home, we want you to think about this place as your home, as your church home, where we get to experience family together. Now, for some of you, that might mean a whole lot of different things. Maybe you don't have all the positive connotations that come with family. Anybody have a messed up family? Don't raise your hand, all right? They might be sitting next to you, okay? Family comes with a lot of stuff, right? Like sometimes we just have stuff in our family and for better or worse, we're with them and it, you can't change who your family is. But then uh, there's other things that, you know, that, that there's some, some joys and, and that's good too to be a part of. And so how do you bring it all together? And then when you talk about the idea of being part of a church 
family, what's that supposed to look like? The question I want to ask us is, how does Jesus talk about family? How does Jesus think about family? How does he cause us to think about family? And then ultimately, what's it going to mean to be part of this family? Does that mean we have it all figured out? Does that mean we look all cleaned up and everything just works seamlessly and smoothly? You probably already know the answer to that, right? Here's the thing. I want to look at what Jesus has to say about family and then discuss what that might mean for us today. So I'm going to invite you to go to Mark chapter 3 if you have a Bible with you. If you don't, if you don't own a Bible, you don't even know what the Bible is, you're new to this whole church thing, that's entirely okay. We'll have the scripture on the screen and you can follow along in that way. Um, and then uh, we're going to discuss what Jesus is doing with the definition of family. So here we go. We're going to be in Mark chapter 3, verse 31 to 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It's an interesting passage, isn't it? Especially if you're newer to the scriptures. Like, what, what's he talking about here? How many of you grew up in, uh, in a family, like a larger family? Just raise your hand. I'm just curious in the room if you grew up in a larger family. A couple hands going up. How many of you are an only child? Okay, that explains a lot right there. Yep. <laughs> Yep, I, I married an only child. She was adopted, and somebody didn't learn how to share their things with other people, right? So you got to work through some things. But like, learning how to adjust in family settings is interesting. When you look at the family of Jesus, like obviously he's the firstborn, uh, you know, through the conception of the Holy Spirit, and there's a whole thing that we're going to talk about at Christmas. Um, but then he has brothers as well. He has a family. He has a mom. He has brothers. And can you imagine, and you've probably heard this in other sermons before, being one of the brothers of Jesus. Well, now, James, Jesus is the Son of God, so he does get a little bit more. You know, like, that's got to be a lot of baggage to deal with, right? Like, okay, Jesus, of course, you go and do that. You know, like, that would be difficult. But now they're grown adults. And Jesus' mom is having to deal with what this all looks like and the promise that she was given before Jesus was even born. And now, as adults, there's this scenario where it's just, it's kind of like one of those everyday scenarios where the family's looking for Jesus. We don't know why. We don't know what is going to take place. We don't know what conversation they're looking for. If his mom is asking him, hey, can you run to the store? We get, we're short on milk, uh, goat's milk or whatever. Like, is that what this is about? We don't know. But nonetheless, Jesus' mother and brothers are looking for him. Can you imagine being Jesus' mother and brothers on the outside of this building and Jesus is on the inside and you hear Jesus say this to the crowd? Who are my mother and my brothers? No, you all are. Can you imagine being the mother of Jesus standing outside and you heard Jesus say that? Say, Jesus, get out here. I need to talk to you right now. You're talking to your mom. I raised you, right? Like, that would be an interesting situation. Like, what is going on with this statement, and why is Jesus saying this? Is he being offensive by, by calling out kind of his mother and brothers who are on the outside and then looking to all of these people and saying, no, you are all my family. Anyone who does God's will is my brother, my sister, my mother. Now, we look at that as 
modern Western Christians and say, oh, that, that's really nice. That, that seems really nice for Jesus to say. Oh, he's expanding the definition of family. I get to be part of his family as well. But this is actually an incredibly scandalous statement that Jesus is making. Not just for the people that are listening to him, but for his actual family who's sitting outside. Here's the thing that we might not necessarily understand all about first century ancient Jewish culture, Jewish family. It is everything to be part of your family. Your family is your identity in an ancient Jewish civilization. It means everything to you. It is how you survive. It's how you depend on uh, one another for, for survival, for needs, for economic things, for your job, for your career, like whatever trade you might grow up with. I mean, that's how we know Jesus is through Joseph's son. He's often referred to as the carpenter's son. You're not known in that context by who you are. You're known by who your father is or by who your family is or by what your family name is. That's everything in that culture. Your family is your identity in an ancient Jewish world. And so for Jesus to say, anyone who does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother, is an absolutely scandalous statement, and yes, possibly even offensive to this very Jewish audience who is listening to Jesus, wondering, what is he going to say? Not only will he not even go out and talk to his mother and his brothers, but now he's completely blowing up our world in terms of what it means to be part of a family. And if you think about the words of Jesus, anyone who does God's will, it's my brother, my sister, my mother, that could either have a, a redefinition kind of term for you, be like, huh, I haven't really thought of that, or that could have a very redemptive term for some of you as well. I asked sort of jokingly, how many of you grew up in messed up families and for some of you, that, that's actually not a joke at all. It's actually a, a very real, true reality. The family is very difficult. When you think about the term family, or when you think about the idea of joining the family of God, man, that's really maybe triggering for some people. I think about my own situation with family. I grew up in what most people would say is a nuclear family. I grew up in a small town, northwest Iowa, with a mom and a dad. They're still married. I have three older sisters as well. And when I think about my upbringing, my family, my history, I don't probably first go to any moments of pain or any memories of trauma or anything that's triggering for me. I just don't, I don't have a lot of that in my family. Everything was pretty, pretty stable for the most part. I, I felt loved. I felt accepted. We, we were low on money. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot, but that's all I ever knew. So I didn't really necessarily know what to compare it to. Um, we just got by with what we had. And we remained relatively connected as a family uh, all throughout my childhood. It was, for the most part, a pretty good, pretty safe experience. And then when we grew up as adults, for whatever reason, I think my parents, I don't know if they were fully prepared for this, but they raised us to be incredibly independent. So the moment me and my three older sisters graduated from college, we never came back. <laughs> we like went off and did our own thing. We just went like... We, we haven't returned home. None of us have lived at home in our physical home with, our, um, with my immediate family growing up since we've moved out. I have a sister in Nebraska, a sister in central Iowa, and I have a sister in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and then I'm here. We're all spread out. That would be unheard of in an ancient Jewish world. You just didn't think about, oh, your own career or your own aspirations, and I'm just going to go and do my own thing. You depended on family for everything 
the good and the bad. My family experience, I've come to realize, is actually incredibly different and is absolutely not the norm that I've come to learn in my experience as a pastor. For close to 20 years now, most of my conversations with people and their families has been really difficult, has been stories of lots of pain, sometimes trauma, sometimes abuse. And so I recognize the weight of my words when I say something like, hey, join the family of God. Be part of our home. That term carries weight. For some, that's a really redemptive healing idea. And for others, ah, man, that's a lot to work through yet. I don't know what that's all going to mean. So I thought about, well, I could share a little bit of my family experience, but I thought would be even better is to share an experience of somebody else's family. Um, I'm going to bring up Dawn Ginger in just a second, and she has been serving as one of our pastoral interns for a little over a year and a half now. And as I've gotten to know her better and to know her family experience, um, it's a story that I think might actually uh, maybe resonate with some of you. Um, and even if it doesn't, it's, it's a story to help us recognize that being part of the family of God is of utmost importance and dependence and healing. So would you welcome up Dawn Ginger as she comes to the stage. Welcome, Dawn. Hi. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for um, deciding to do this. I know as we've talked and I've gotten to know a little bit of your story um, that there is, there's a lot that you've worked through and a lot that you're still working through, mm -hmm. um, which I think is actually a really uh, hope-filled message for those of us who think, well, I'm supposed to have it all figured out with Jesus. Uh, everything's supposed to go smoothly now. And you've been walking with Jesus for a while now, um, but it's not all figured out. Not mm -hmm. everything's done. Not everything's resolved. Um, but I think what has stuck out to me a ton <clears throat> is a story about your family. And so I wonder if you could take us through kind of a history of your family and how that's sort of gotten you to where you are today. And I do want to mention that um, Dawn's story has some, some heaviness to it, some hardship to it. And so um, she's going to be reading from uh, her notebook a little bit just to, to stay with her story. But uh, I would ask you to extend grace to her as she shares that story. Go ahead. Okay. I grew up in a large family. Uh, with four siblings, two brothers and two sisters, on a 200-acre farm in Michigan, um, and I was a fourth of five children. Um, my dad grew up essentially without a father because his father died when he was very young. This loss must have affected him deeply. My dad physically abused me, starting at about five years old and continuing until I was around 13. Uh, my relationship with my dad was complicated because I really, really wanted his attention. I wanted to be seen as valuable by him, but it seemed difficult for him to be a loving father to me. My dad's abuse isolated me from my siblings, and my mother tried to hide my trauma because she wanted the illusion of a perfect family. At 11, I was sexually assaulted by a family acquaintance. This act just shattered me. Um, when my parents found out about this, they told me to remain silent. 
This isolated me and made me feel like I was too damaged to be a part of their family. My parents didn't stand by me or help me through this. They instead blamed me for it and told me to tell no one, not even my siblings. My family rarely talked about issues in our lives and we were always told to keep things private. This aspect of silence and abandonment was very damaging to me because I was expected to isolate myself from others. I learned to eventually bury these events so deep within myself, hiding them from myself. It has only been through therapy that I've seen these parts of my life again. My husband was also abandoned by his father, just like my dad was. I adopted his beliefs about God and became an atheist. This act distanced me from God and isolated me from my mostly Christian family. Abuse started early in our relationship, verbal, physical, emotional, and sexual. Once we were married, Dante was born, and then four years later, Blaze came. They were also abused from a young age. My sons became my only family that I held tightly to them. I did my best, but without God, I wasn't strong enough to protect them from the abuse of their father. But I didn't abandon them either. When the boys were still quite young, we found out that my husband suffered from a mental disorder. Out of fear for our lives, I stayed in this marriage for 22 years. The pattern of silence and abandonment was yet again repeated and was passed to my sons. As I've said before, that's, um, it's a lot, right? It's a lot for any one person to hold um, just as memories, but as experiences, I'm sorry for what you've endured and experienced. Um, also sorry that you were robbed of an understanding of what family could be um, and have had now to work through all of what it could be as well. Um, we've been talking about family and that probably brings up a whole lot of different ideas for you in terms of talking about the idea of being family, part of the family of God, mm -hmm. or relating to God as Father, right? Like, we've talked about that a lot. Um, and, and you mentioned, and you became an atheist at one point. So talk to me about how faith started to play a role in that, how being part of the family of God or thinking about God as Father all came up. Well, my dad was not a believer. My mother was. Um, and because of her influence, we were allowed to be brought up in the church. Um, I never saw the church as family because my parents didn't allow me to tell anyone, especially my church, about these major traumas in my young life. There was a sense of distrust associated with the church and with God, who at that time I felt wasn't there for me. When it comes to the image of God as Father, I have struggled a great deal with this. Um, with accept, emotionally accepting God as a Father because I associated with Him with the abuse of my earthly father. Mm. 
A few years after we moved to California, I got involved in the church choir through the worship pastor, Pastor Brian, and sang in the choir for two years, still an atheist, unknown to them. Although I never stayed for the sermon, my time in the choir was my first experience with being accepted and loved by a church family. They became a safe haven, and these people started to become a sense of family that I had never felt before. Then Dante went to college, and I felt abandoned. He was my anchor, my rock, and he knew how to deal with my husband better than I could. Blaze and I were left to deal with him and his increasingly violent behavior. I hit my rock bottom, and I reached out to Pastor Brian and asked for help. I met with him, and he suggested that I started Celebrate Recovery. This was a dangerous suggestion for me because just like my, fa- my family, my husband silenced me and didn't allow me to speak to others about my family. I started to attend a step study and did my best to hide this from my husband out of fear of getting caught. This began a, to- a time of secrecy of about two months of sneaking out and to get to step study meetings and hiding my books at a friend's house. This step study was a safe place for me to talk about my life and to hear the ladies talk about their faith. On Sunday, October 20th, I was singing in the choir and we sang, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. God spoke to me through these words. I started to go home, but instead turned around and listened to the sermon for the first time. God was speaking to me and I was starting to feel his presence. And on October 24th, 2013, I met with Pastor Brian and accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. It's a crazy transition going from being an atheist, singing in the choir, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, mm-hmm. and then turning to Jesus after a series of, of moments and encouragement. That's awesome. Um, but as we said, it, it doesn't just automatically turn a switch necessarily, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole healing journey now that has to be unpacked. Um, and you've been on that journey. Part of that has involved coming and being part of this church family. Um, tell me a little bit about that, what it's meant to be. Uh, you moved back to Michigan, started coming here, became a partner, decided to go to seminary. Like, talk to me about that. Okay. When I came to Life Canton in 2017, uh, it was, I was in a very challenging place. I had sold most of my possessions and moved here from California to Michigan to attend seminary at Moody Theological Seminary. Blaze joined me and attended college at Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids. Bla- Sorry. Blaze and I walked into the doors of Life Canton and we were immediately greeted by a warmth and love that felt very much like the church we had just left. When we walked out of the service, I knew I'd found my new church home. Two years ago, after hitting rock bottom again, I realized that I could no longer tolerate my false identity that was caused by my past trauma. God sent an amazing woman into my life and I started a healing journey in search of my true identity. This healing journey is continuing 
that changed my life drastically as I'm discovering freedom and God is helping me to find my voice. As I am healing, my relationship with my biological family is also healing. Because of God, the patterns of abuse and my broken views of family are no longer being passed on to my sons. Through two internships for my Masters of Divinity, I've gotten to know Pastor John and Pastor Jared and become more involved in the church. Since becoming a pastoral intern with Life Canton, I've gotten to know the staff and leadership of the church and many others as I've served in Life Journey, Life Groups, and the prayer team. Over the last six years at Life Canton, that feeling of home has become much stronger and my ability to feel great peace and joy has emerged. This church is my safe place where God has literally planted me. And over time, I've given back to the church through partnership and service. I have become accepted, valued, and loved by this family. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ, and like me, you belong. I think one of my favorite things about that phrase, anyone who does the will of God, is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And there's a whole lot of biblical commentaries out there um, that will talk about those phrases, but there's not a consistent phrase in terms of what the will of God necessarily is. We could say, oh, it's, you know, love God, love others, it's go and make disciples, and I think those things would be great answers. Um, but I think there's something about the personal experience of somebody's story who's been on the receiving end of God's will <laughs> that makes it hit home for me. Wh whoever does the will of God, whoever has created a loving, safe place for you is a brother, a sister, a mother. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for sharing your story. Mm -hmm. um, it's my prayer that all of us will hear your story and hear the courage to be part of a family that's bigger than just ourselves. And that's bigger than our ability or not ability to perform or be perfected or anything like that, but just to be a family with all of our highs and all of our lows. Um, can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Would you, if you feel comfortable, just extend a hand towards Dawn as we say a prayer and a blessing for her. So God, thank you for Dawn. And thank you for her story. Thank you that she is first and foremost your daughter, your beloved daughter. God, thank you for giving her purpose. Thank you for redeeming her story. Thank you for giving her hope and courage in the midst of such a tragic history. God, I pray for continued healing and restoration in her mind, body, and soul. And God, I pray too that it would not just be for her, but that she true, too would truly become a wounded healer for others in this church. God, I pray that um, the effects of silence and secrecy that others might be experiencing in this church, that um, Dawn's story would help them to be elevated and to have the courage to be 
part of a greater, more vulnerable, intimate, loving, accepting family. And God, where we fail, where we mess up, where we make mistakes as your family, God, would you bring your grace and your healing and your forgiveness to us? Thank you for your redemptive work in Dawn and in the rest of us. And we pray that in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dawn. Okay. Uh, sometimes there's just more power in people sharing their stories than just hearing from the pastors all of the time. And so I'm grateful for Don's story. I could imagine I bring any of you up on stage right now and sit in this chair and ask you about your family, your upbringing, and ask you what family means to you. And every one of your stories would bring power and impact and purpose as well. So let's do that. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to bring you up one by one. <laughs> Maybe sometime. Uh, I wanted to do something a little bit different with this Sunday. In the past, for those of you who have been partners before, this has been what we've referred to as Partnership Sunday, and it still is. Um, at the end of this homecoming series, we're going to invite you to become partners, to become a more intentional part of what God is doing in this church, not just what the staff are doing, but what all of us are doing. But in the past, it has been a little bit more uplifting and celebratory, and that's good, and that has its purpose, and, and may again in the future as well. Uh, but I was feeling this sense of, as we talk about what it means to come home, that there's a lot of variety, and there's a lot of um, connotation with what home and with what family means to people. And based on my experiences of being a pastor and learning about people's stories, there is a lot to work through with what home means, with what family means. And so I thought, if I'm going to invite you to be part of this family, more intentionally, that you need to know we do not have it all figured out, and you can still bring your mess to this family, and you belong. You fit in perfectly, actually. See, I think I've said this before, that if you have it all figured out, and if your life is perfect, you might feel a little out of place in this church. So whether you decide to become a partner or not today, I will say this, your family no matter what. Your family no matter what. But I do want to uh, turn, uh, turn the corner a little bit and do talk more specifically about partnership. I'm going to invite you to become a partner of this church today. Now, for those of you who have already been partners, um, your last year of being a partner is done. You actually are deciding whether or not you want to renew your partnership again. We want to give you that opportunity to really think and process with God and with prayer and with your family. Um, if you can and want to still be a part of what it means to be a partner of this church. So um, you'll have the opportunity to do this as well. For those of you who want to join in partnership for the very first time, obviously you get to do that today as well. But I want to walk you through what it means to be a partner and what it, how it relates to everything that we've talked about these last couple weeks. We've called this series Homecoming, but we've described what our home is all about, what matters in our home, what the kind of culture is of our home, and we call them our codes. But attached to each code is a commitment, a commitment that you, if you, should you decide to become a partner, that you commit to doing, to being part of. So I'm going to walk through those one by one, and as you're thinking about this, 
um, thinking about being a partner, you're, you're sort of processing, is this a commitment that I can uh, stick to? So the first one is you belong. We talked about that in the first week. You belong. Uh, we're asking that if you want to experience belonging, the best way we have found to do that is to either join or lead a life group. Be part of a smaller community where you're able to talk about your highs and lows and study God's word together. That's important to do that together in family. Second one is encounter Jesus. We want to encourage you. Uh, Jesus is the whole reason we gather. Like if we don't have Jesus, if we don't have his death, resurrection, or ascension, we can pack it up and go home. None of this means anything. But because Jesus is so central to who we are as a church, who we are as a community, we want to continue to encounter him. It's a choice to encounter Jesus, to position ourselves in such a way where we do that. And so we do that through prayer, through studying the Bible, and submitting control of our life to Jesus, to God, so that we can listen and learn from the ways Jesus. The third one is relentless pursuit of one more. And when we talked about this, we talked about the idea of putting others above yourself, treating others as though you have an interest in them. And the way that we can do that is through service, through being sacrificial with our time and our gifts. Uh, many of you have gifts to offer this church and, and a purpose uh, to, do, to be part of. And so we are asking partners to serve at least once per month at Life Canton. Now, we are going to talk about what service looks like beyond this place. We don't think that serving just within these four walls is important. It is. Uh, but we want to take that service out into our community. Next week, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about what it looks like to serve outside in our community and to be torchbearers. You're not going to want to miss that. I'm excited because I'm going to need your input. It's going to be a very participatory service next week. Uh, the fourth one is whatever it takes, wherever it takes us. This idea that we take on the attitude of Jesus, that though he was God, he did not consider his privileges as something to cling to. And so we live sacrificially. We live generously. And so the commitment attached to that code is to give faithfully to Life Canton and to grow in generosity beyond. I do want to point something out. Uh, for those of you who have been partners in the past, you may recognize a slight language change that is intentional, and that has been a discussion that we've had with our leadership team and our staff. Previously, it has said, I will give 10%, or I will give a tithe to Life Canton and grow in generosity beyond. Here's what I want to say about that. You can continue to do that. If you want to give 10% of your income to Life Church, we will welcome that and we encourage that. And I'm, I, I will say I'm grateful for that. I am not changing that. That is going to be my practice, our family's practice, as well as our staff and our leadership team. And at the same time, as we were thinking about the requirements of being a partner, we wanted to expand our family in such a way to say we want to invite more, more to the table, more voices, more influence to the table. And if you want to commit to giving generously and faithfully to Life Canton, then we want to open it up for you to become a partner as well. So that's a slight change to the language. If you have any questions about why the language change and you want to talk more about that, please email me directly or call me um, or call the church and you will get me eventually and I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you about that. My email is jared at lifecanton.org in case you want to email me. Don't email me now because we're going to talk about some other things. Here we go. The, uh, the next one, number five, multiply to influence one other person for their spiritual growth. Our, uh, our desire is to build a discipleship culture in this church. It's one of Jesus' uh, commands to us. His greatest command is to go and to make disciples of all nations. 
And so we are a part of that mission to become disciples who make disciples. And so one of the ways that we do that is by going through the life journey. Many of you have already been in that process. You've been going through the life journey. That's a great tool for us to learn about the importance of discipleship, but also the why and the how and the what of discipleship. But ultimately, we as a church and we as a group of partners need to invest in other people. We need to invest in other people and leave a legacy of faith with those who come after us. And then lastly, driven by new life. Driven by new life. Uh, We want to prioritize our time together. Yes, there is time in, in groups, in small groups, where you get to be a little bit more authentic, a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more intimate, but also on a weekly basis, we want to come together and we want to celebrate what God is doing in our midst. We want to tell stories. We want to sing about God's goodness and greatness. Sometimes uh, all of the talking doesn't do any good. Sometimes we need to sing about it. And then sometimes we need to be in collective and corporate prayer, and sometimes lament. As we think about the experiences all throughout the world, we think about Israel and Palestine and what's going on there. There is an opportunity for us as a body of believers to lament the violence, the chaos, the hurt. And so that's why we gather together, why we need to continue to gather together, to join in that way, to mourn with those who are mourned, to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen? Amen. So these are all of the commitments attached to each code. And if you're looking at this list and you're like, I do all of those things. Awesome. You can be a partner. If you are saying, I want to be able to do all of those things, I want to commit to those things, you can become a partner as well. If you do all of those things or do some of those things and you still don't want to be a partner, you are still our family. We are happy to have you as part of our family. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to take an opportunity to prayerfully walk through this. Um, I'm going to have you go uh, to a QR code on your phones, and so you can take your phones out now. If you have any problems with technology or QR codes, um, don't, don't even worry about it. You have time, you have all week to do this if you would like to, or you can visit us out in the lobby and we'd be happy to walk you through this process. Um, if you have trouble with QR codes, but you can navigate on your phone uh, to go to a browser, you can go to lifecanton.org, or if you have the Church Center app, you can go there as well and click on the links that say partnership. And what I wanted to have you do is to spend time doing this sort of reflectively, not just checking off boxes, not just joining a gym membership. That's not what this is about. But deciding to intentionally and purposefully be part of what God is doing in this church. And so we're just going to take a moment. Andy's going to play some music as you think through that process and as you go ahead and decide to fill out uh, that form online right now. So I'm going to stay here and give you a minute to do that. Uh, But the last thing I wanted to let you know is what does it mean to be a partner? What do you get to do? What does that involve? What does intentionality look like? Just logistically speaking, for those of you who decide to become partners, what you get to do is be part of the voting in this church. We vote on a handful of things. One of those is you vote on the nominating committee. That's a team who puts together uh, names, lists of names of other partners who could potentially become uh, part of the leadership team or part of the nominating committee as well. And that's the second group. Uh, You get to vote on who becomes uh, part of the leadership team. They represent all of you. And then the leadership team meets on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month where we're discussing the the stewardship of this church. We're discussing the vision of this church. And I get to be part of that as well. 
third thing that you get to vote on is the lead pastor. You just voted back in July, so you're stuck with me for a little while um, until you don't want to be anymore, and then you vote uh, to decide whether or not that's the case. Um, And then you get to vote on the budget. We do an annual budget. Uh, Normally, that's been a calendar year. We've switched that recently to be a fiscal year that runs from July uh, back around to the next year in June. Uh, It just helps us with our planning and our programming a little bit more as well. So you vote on those four things. Um, But also... Uh, I'm going to invite you as partners to take an active role in creating belonging for others. If you're committing to this church, then you're committing to making others feel that warmth that Dawn talked about. Because people are coming in with all different kinds of things. So partners, you have a responsibility as well to create an atmosphere for healing, for joy, for goodness in our community. So if you decided to become a partner today, what I want to invite you to do is, if you are able, I would love for you to come forward and to stand on the floor right in front of the stage because I want to pray a blessing over you in just a moment. So go ahead. If you are uh, a partner right now, you decided to become a partner, or if you're processing it and you're considering it, you're pretty sure you might do it, just haven't done it yet, I'd like to invite you forward as well. So go ahead and make your way to the front and then just stand right here on the floor. I want to pray a commissioning and blessing over Last few folks are making their way. I didn't realize I was going to see so much uh, Detroit Lions stuff in front of me, so now I have to, I have to adjust my emotions here. Uh, but truthfully, I'm grateful for you all. I'm grateful for your commitment um, to this church, your level of intentionality, um, your commitment to prayer as well. Um, I desperately, we desperately need your prayers. We desperately need you to listen to the voice of God as well. You've entrusted us as a staff uh, to lead us all, and we will do that faithfully. Um, But this is a partnership. That's why we chose that word, partnership. We need you. We depend on you. Um, And we're grateful for you. So thank you for deciding to commit to this and deciding to partner with this church. I want to pray a blessing over you. God, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their desire that you've placed within them to be committed to this family with all of its ups and downs. God, I pray that you would continue to bless them and provide for them in their families, in their places of work, in their schooling, God, I pray that you would continue to grow their faith, that they would grow in wisdom and understanding and be so attentive to the move of your Holy Spirit that we collectively, we together, are able to move this church forward and impact this community for your name and for your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Would you all stand? Let's continue to worship. Well, thank you again for listening to this message, for listening to Dawn's story. Um, I do want to let you know that if anything from Dawn's story resonated with you or um, caused a a stir within you where you feel like you need to reach out and maybe get some help or just um, process whatever it is that your story is about, please reach out to us. Um, You can do that by filling out a connect card. Go to lifecanton.org slash connect and... um, 
and that's going to lead you right to us, to one of our staff, and we will reach out to you and uh, support you in any way that we can. Um, again, I want to mention partnership. If that's something that you are interested in, go to our webpage, lifecanton.org. Scroll down, you'll see the button that says partnership. I encourage you uh, to join us and to partner with what God is doing in us and in our community. Have a great rest of your day.